Thank you, worship band, leading us so well this morning. Mitch, your prayer was great. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I'm going to hand you guys that. We're here together. There's football this afternoon. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the, all the teams and they're contending against one another. Um, I guess that's what sports is all about. They're, they're contending, they're, they're battling, they're wrestling, and they've been planning this. Who's going to win the game so they can have the big prize? Who can get to go to the Super Bowl? I know who you think is going to go, and I know who I think is going to go. I think the one who has the superstar singer is going to go to the Super Bowl. No, yeah, I know, I hear you. In sports, there's cont- we contend in sports, but you know, in life as well, we contend. We contend with things. Striving, struggling, contend. Maybe in our lives, we contend to keep up with the kids as we juggle a full-time job, or struggling through life challenges, life challenges in relationships and friendships. Striving to advance in our career, uh, we contend. You may be going head-to-head with a difficulty in your own life, uh, in your own personal life, coping with a new health issue, or, or coming alongside, alongside someone who is struggling and filled with sorrow at the loss of a loved one, and contending with them, and our families, and our friends. When you think about our faith and our church family, we're often called to contend for one another. Stand up and carry one another's burdens and seek God's will together. The Apostle Paul writes to the first century church, uh, and he talks to them and, and shares with them through a letter about how he has been contending for them. And it comes out of the letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, a first century church, and it's uh, a letter that he writes from prison uh, to encourage them in their faith. And this is what it says in chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. You have the verses in your bulletin. You can follow along as well. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may be have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may be deceived, deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am... Pre- absent from you in body. I am present with you in the Spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In these few verses, uh, Paul makes it clear that he's contending for them on their behalf. 
the church in Colossae, as well as those in another city he names. He names another city, uh, Laodicea. And it's a northwest city, about nine miles away. And he's also contending for those he's never met, he says. As the passages develop, we learn that he is contending for them. But he's also contending against something as well. Let's start with what he's contending for. He's contending for them. He's contending that for the good people in this church, that they will be encouraged. My goal is that they will be encouraged in heart, that they will have courage in their lives as they make decisions, as they lead their families and their work, that they will have courage as Christ-centered in their hearts. And they have made the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. The mystery of God, as we have been exploring these last few weeks, the, the simply Jesus, where the Christ, or the Jesus of history and the Christ of faith have come together. Emmanuel, God with us. The mystery of God, simple and yet profound. And that sounds really good. Who does not want wisdom and knowledge? And likewise, Paul says he is striving for those in Laodicea, and for those he has not met face to face. It struck me this week about that phrase, that I'm, I'm striving for those who I don't know. I was sharing this passage with a, a group of guys over breakfast this past week, and, and I was talking about it. He's striving for those he has yet to meet, and isn't that cool? And one of the uh, guys in the group, he was part of the initial building and visioning and striving to get a preschool here on our campus. Working through the problems and solving problems and working with people and, and on the phone and, and prayer. And, and he said, he goes, hey, Pastor John, you know, we were contending for people that we did not know now that are attending the preschool. And in fact, Pastor John, we were contending for people that weren't even born yet. That kind of gave me the shivers. I'm like, wow, you're right. I didn't even think about that. In our contending together in ministry, we're contending for those we, don't, we have not met and, and maybe those who have not been born. It was stirring for me to hear that. We're contending for those that God brings to us, calls us to serve. Likewise, Paul is contending against something. He says it like this, I tell you this, that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. What is he talking about? In the first century, there was a group, they were called the Gnostics. Gnosis means knowledge. And they had these ideas that they could understand and know the divine by certain rituals or certain practices. Or if you joined a certain secret society, then you could know the divine. It was about them gaining knowledge about the divine in and through their, their books and their ways and their secret societies. And if you were good enough, and if you demonstrated that you were knowledgeable, then you could join us, and then you could know the divine. Paul is arguing against that. He says, no, no, no. All the mysteries of knowledge, of wisdom, are all bound in Christ. And guess what? You can know Christ. Christ is available to everybody. It's not some secret society. His grace is available to all people. And that's what Paul is claiming and arguing and contending against. For them, 
and on, on behalf of those he has yet to meet. Wisdom and understanding are available to them in Christ. A wisdom that is clear and fair-minded, filled with love. A wisdom that is not blinded by prejudice or ignorance. So you have received Christ, continue to live in him, Paul says. And so the church joins Paul in contending, contending with love. Paul is contending on their behalf, filled with love, and he rejoices. Early in the letter he says, I know I'm in prison, but yet I rejoice. I'm filled with joy thinking about you and your work and what God is doing in and through your lives. And that's why I'm contending for you. I'm struggling, I'm fighting, I'm battling for you. So he says, as you contend with me, be reminded of these three important things. He says, first, live your lives rooted in Christ. Live your lives rooted in Christ. I love that analogy of, of tree roots. I want to put you on the spot. What do tree roots do? Help me out. They grow. They grow. <laughs> I, that's awesome. What else do they do? What do tree roots do? They find the nutrients down low. Is that what you're saying? Say it louder. What? Foundation. You're right. Yeah, Judy. What? Give it, sh give a shade. What? Yeah, okay, now we're getting scientific. That's good. There's so many things. This analogy of building or being rooted in Christ. We find our nutrients in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. That's where we are gain our sustenance. And as our roots grow deep, finding the aquifer that can nourish us, we grow strong and we can weather the storm and the winds and the waves, right? And we can grow and we produce fruit and we can be the shade and the shelter for those who are suffering or those who need sanctuary. It's a beautiful analogy. Be rooted in Christ. Rooted in the hope that what we produce together is glorified unto, unto God. As we are rooted in Christ, as I was, we were meeting yesterday with our leaders, our staff and elders. We gathered together for a half-day retreat, and we were talking about being rooted in Christ and the fruit that is being produced, but also the vision that has come up out of us as we seek to contend for those we don't know yet that God is calling us to. And some of the things that we've been thinking about and praying about as we're rooted in Christ, we think about our future together. And of course, we think about finishing off these buildings. And you've heard me say it before, we're going to finish off that fireside room and where people can gather together in faith, in an adult space, filled with joy as they invite their friends and they pray together and socialize together and there'll be a nice new bathroom in there. It's going to be great. 
It's going to be a place where people will want to join and gather to a ministry space. As I've said to you before, this congregation knows what to do when given ministry space as an example of our preschool and as busting at the seams, dear friends. We know what to do. And as we have ministry space, God is going to continue to transform us, encourage us as we contend for those we don't know. There'll be a dynamic youth room buzzing with music and fun games. Our youth, as they, during worship service, do you feel that energy from our youth when they're up here and they're moving and, and singing? I, I, it fills my heart with joy. Ministry space that's a catalyst for forging friendships as they come alongside being, growing up this, in this generation. This, we pray for our youth and the struggles and the demands that come their way. They can foster relationships and a new space, inviting their friends. A vibrant communal area that is well-appointed with a nice kitchen where we can have a space to gather after church and groups can gather together. An outdoor seating area where the walls opened up. An engaging worship schedule where we're able to think beyond just our Sunday morning but offer worship opportunities throughout the week, throughout the weekend. These are the things we think about and pray about and where God is leading us, giving us vision for the future as we engage our community. I shared this one with the group yesterday. I said, a, a joyful scene, over 100 preschool children each week running around on a play, playground and, and being in classrooms. And, and Kathy, what did you say? We say we're halfway there? We're halfway there. A year ago, we had 20. We're now halfway to our 100 mark. Transforming impact of our midweek programs. There's a Moms Growing in Faith group that's continued to grow. And as we build out, we have space for them and, and their children on that Thursday mornings. A safe and secure campus. You have a safety team that's working hard to safe, safely secure our campus. We received a $200,000 grant, and we're using that. And it was easy to get the $200,000. Now it's difficult to figure out how to best use that money to safely secure our campus, and that is happening. And we've got a great team working on that. And we think about a memorial garden out here where we can go out and pray, care for one another, walk there, a place that's quiet, and, and maybe we can have places where we can set out names on, on stones or placards, and we can remember those who have gone before us, those who have contended on our behalf, and here we are, those who are with the Lord, but also those who are dear to us that we miss deeply. And we can go out there and we can pray, be filled with gratitude for what God is doing. Rooted in, rooted in Christ brings us out of us, brings these visions and these hopes and these dreams out of us so that we can contend together for a future. And then Paul says, be strengthened in faith. And we have all these opportunities to be strengthened in faith in our family ministries, our mission partnerships, fill us with hope. Lori and Gary Kalman talking about their ministry, translating Bibles, translating God's word throughout the world. 
throughout the, the spiritual encouragement that we receive on a weekly basis through our worship services and our music. And we deliver concrete help to the hurts and the hopes of our community and our world. Then Paul says, overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted in hope, rooted in Christ, strengthened in our faith, and then overflowing with thankfulness. I thought a lot about that this week. You know, I'm happier when I'm grateful. It's just the way it is. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but you can ask my wife, I'm happier when I'm grateful. And when I'm ungrateful, that's when I become grumpy. And I think what Paul is saying with all these things that are happening, he's contending on their behalf, filled with love. May this bring out in you, will you, thankfulness needs to flow out of us. Gratitude. Grateful for our life together. Let's be thankful for what God, how God is working in and through us. May we be led with gratitude. Filled with gratitude. Craig Barnes, the Presbyterian pastor and former president of Princeton Theological Seminary, he would say this, people will always be drawn to any church that has received enough sacred love to offer to others. People will be drawn to any church, any group, that have received enough sacred love to share it with others. Dear friends, we have received God's love in our lives And we are overflowing with thankfulness as we reflect on that in the ways that God has reached out into our lives, touched you, cared for you, brought you through the storm. And we can be thankful that God is present. And that sacred love spills out of us, overflowing with thankfulness. Like the often quoted phrase, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it begins, I think, for Paul with this overflowing with thankfulness. When he says in Philippians, he says he's praying. He says, he says I'm rejoicing. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is near. And then he says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, what? You know what's next. With thanksgiving with thankfulness. As we contend for those we love and are in our lives now and for those that will be a part of our lives and our church life in the future and for those who are not even yet born, we contend together and let us remember to be rooted in Christ. Let us that those roots go deep into the nourishment of God's love and grace in our lives and be strengthened in our faith together as we gather together in our worship, in our life groups, in our Wednesday night programs, and our Bible studies, and the ways we care for one another, that we strengthen our faith so that in return we are overflowing with thankfulness. That is God's encouragement. That is God's encouragement to you and me this day. I want to invite the ushers to come forward as we pray with gratitude in response what God has done in in and through our life together and what he has planned for us in the future. Allow me to pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the ways that you are working in and through our life together. 
We thank you for this passage of Scripture the Apostle Paul wrote to the first century church so many years ago. And yet how relevant it is to us today. From the first century to the 21st century, your love never fails. And your grace in our lives. So Lord, we respond in grace and gratitude. Sharing of our time and our talent and our financial resources as we contend together for those we know and love and for those you are bringing into our life, our, fa our family life together. In Christ's name we pray, amen.